You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Sowing the seeds of cannabis and sounding the praise of our favorite plants, it's time to Hempresent. Our radio resident hempo-sapien Vivian McPeak will present a weekly platform for guests and listeners to Hempresent about hemp and cannabis from the legal, activist, and reformist route. Let's round up and roll it up for our headmaster of hemp, Vivian McPeak. Welcome to Hemp Present, the weekly radio show where you can get your PhD in THC because you don't just want to burn it, you want to learn it. Seeking to defeat prohibition one interview at a time and advocating for the plant, the whole plant, and nothing but the plant, join me for a weekly reefer radio rebellion against prohibition as I speak with some of the principal risk takers, movers and shakers, and history makers of the cannabis industry, culture, and reform movement. I'm your host, Vivian McPeak. I am the executive director of the world's largest annual cannabis policy reform event, the Seattle Hemp Fest, entering its 25th year found at hempfest.org. I'm also the author of the book Protestival, a 20-year retrospective of Seattle Hemp Fest from AHA Publishing. Transmitting from a heavily fortified hempcrete bunker under a dilapidated and ramshackle radio warren at an undisclosed location deep within the rumbling bowels of underground Seattle, my goal is to spread the green flame of 420 truth in 30-minute increments. Today's guest on Hemp Present is Jack Cole, co-founder of Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. But first, a word from the ripply tissues of my gray matter. I have for many years asserted my opinion that one of the worst negative impacts on prohibition on our society has been that these policies have greatly undermined a general respect for the rule of law among a wide and varying cross-section of American people. By treating the mostly victimless voluntary act of getting high on anything as a heinous crime, we have by proxy discredited both our system of law and those who are charged with enforcing those laws in the eyes of many, perhaps millions of Americans. The subsequent deep and damaging cultural divisions that have resulted from drug prohibition have, just like alcohol prohibition, cost many lives on all sides of the spectrum and have generated many unintended consequences. How does it possibly help us to create a multi-generational distrust between any subsection of Americans and those charged with enforcing our nation's laws? Does our criminal justice system simply have too much emphasis on the system and not enough on the justice? 
These laws have hurt our communities by driving drug sales onto our streets, alleys, and schoolyards. And by treating health policy like it's a criminal justice issue, our government has shredded parts of the Constitution, resulting in the largest per capita prison state in human history. Police are increasingly militarized with gear and weapons supplied to police departments free through a Pentagon program to the tune of $4.5 billion since 1997. And the U.S. federal government spent over $15 billion taxpayer dollars, $15 billion taxpayer dollars in 2010 on the war on drugs at a rate of about $500 per second. What is the taxpayer return on those investments? Heroin deaths are spiking all over the nation. Cocaine and methamphetamine are both cheap and available in virtually every community in the United States. 23 states now offer some form of legal cannabis. What was prohibition supposed to accomplish again? In light of these facts, could there be a bigger abject failure in policy than prohibition? Yet the beat goes on. And while all this is going down, pharmaceutical drugs kill more people annually than all illegal drugs combined, but you won't be hearing that on the nightly news anytime soon. One has to wonder why there's not anyone from law enforcement who sees what's going on and has some ideas on how to change things. And the good news is, there is, and he's here with me today. Jack Cole is an American drug policy reform activist and retired police officer. Cole co-founded Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, or LEAP, found online at leap.cc. LEAP is a nonprofit organization composed of former and current police officers, government agents, and other law enforcement agents who oppose the current war on drugs. Jack's organization, Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, represents more than 100,000 police, judges, prosecutors, prison officials, and supporters. Cole holds a Bachelor of Arts in Criminal Justice and a Master's Degree in Public Policy. He's been gracious enough to join me here today. Welcome, Jack, to Hemp Present on Cannabis Radio. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you, Vivian. It's really good to be back with you. Well, first off, Jack, I just want to thank you for what I think is probably the single most important and most powerful organization in the reform movement. Just by existing, leaps that makes such a statement. So thank you for that. Right, and I think your your data on our size is a little old, Vivian. We're, <laughs> we're well is. over 200,000 now, uh, police, judges, prosecutors, prison officials, and supporters in 120 countries. We were accepted last April by the United Nations as an NGO with consultant status to them. So we're growing very quickly. We have branch offices in nine different countries, and we have many other countries that are asking us to go in. It's just a matter of when we get the money to do that. Wow, that's really spectacular. You know, Jack, let's go back to the beginning, at least, of the leap feelings. You retired as a lieutenant after 26 years in the New Jersey State Police, 14 of those years in the Narcotic Bureau. I assume that you were once a true believer in prohibition, but at some point you had an awakening. Is that correct? And if so, what happened? Was it sudden or was it a gradual conversion? Well, it's absolutely true. And the biggest thing is after 26 years of law enforcement, of, of actual police work, in that entire time, all the work I did on, on drugs didn't re- reduce the number of drug abusers in this country by so much as one person. As a matter of fact, it made it far, far worse. It was in what a, way? According to DEA, when we started the war on drugs, and that's when I went into uh, undercover work, was 1970. That was the beginning of the war. And back in 1970, DEA told us that we had about 4 million people in this country above the age of 12 who had ever used an illegal drug. 
Now, today, 45 years later, they're telling us we have 121 million people above the age of 12 who've used an illegal drug. Four million people in, in 1970, that was about 2% of that population. And 121 million people over the age of 12 today is about 46% of this population. So we've increased the number of drug users out there by 23 times what it was when we started the war. Not exactly a, a good uh, recommendation for drug prohibition. Oh, not a great return on taxpayer investment either. That's sure. <laughs> and, and, and we've already invested well over $1.5 trillion in this war in 45 years. It's another $80 billion every year we continue this horror show. And all we have to show for it is basically just the fact that in the 45 years we've been doing it, we have made over 50 million arrests in this country alone for nonviolent drug offenses. And Vivian, almost half of those, 22 million of those, are for marijuana offenses. Right. What do you think of the legalization efforts that have taken place so far in this state and others? Which state are you talking about? Oh, I'm in Washington State. Okay. <laughs> I think it's wonderful. I think it's progress. We have made a lot of progress as far as marijuana goes, and we're trying to make progress with the hard drugs, the drugs that kill people, too, you know? Right. I mean, the progress with marijuana is wonderful. But if we legalize marijuana around the world, it wouldn't reduce the number of people overdosing from drugs by so much as one person. Because as you well know, there hadn't been a single case of anybody dying from ingesting marijuana in all of recorded history. It wouldn't reduce the spread of AIDS and hepatitis C by one person because that is spread by intravenous drug users sharing needles. It wouldn't even reduce violence by much because, as you well know, the folks that use, tend to use uh, marijuana aren't very violent people. So we probably could have taken that $1.5 trillion and just put it in a rocket ship and sent it to the sun and we'd been better off. We'd have been much better off, absolutely. <laughs> we wouldn't have destroyed so many lives. And I really liked what you had to say at the opening of your show. You know, it is because of drug prohibition and the attitudes formed by drug prohibition that our police have become almost rabid in some cases. There's so many, many people being killed by police now, many of them unarmed people. And I think this, this has to do with the war on drugs and, and with the idea of zero tolerance it's an attitude, you know, when, when you train a police officer to go to war, that's a soldier's job. That's not a, a job of somebody in a democratic society who's supposed to protect and serve. You don't go to war, you serve people. And when, when you tell them to go to war, it's a completely different attitude change. And some of our police officers feel like, well, if my, if my job is to go to war and to arrest everybody out there using drugs, the ends or the means are justified by the ends. If I can right. get them in jail, that's what counts. So we know pretty much who's using drugs out there on the street. And if we go and rouse somebody one day and 
they don't happen to have the drugs on them, if, if, if we know that they're selling anyway, some of our folks think, well, my job's to get them off the streets. I'll just put a little drugs on them. We even have a name for it. It's called salting them. Ha. Huh. So we have an organization in this country called Partnership for a Drug-Free America. Is it possible to have both a drug-free America and a free America? <laughs> well, first off, it's totally impossible to have a drug-free America. But I get your meaning, and it's, it's absolutely impossible to have freedom and drug prohibition. We are talking to Jack Cole from Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. We are just getting started. I've got to take a quick pause for the cause because their flaws and laws are going to come right back with some incredible discussion. Stay with us. Time to roll out for the people that let us hemp present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. Dr. Dabber, hurry! Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up! I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct! Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's orders. Less heat, more flavor. Growing green to generate more green. Hello to all you happy herbalizers, smiling, trippy hippies, and everyone who believes in freedom and tolerance. This is The Grow Show, and I'm Kyle Cushman. From food to fuel, from remedy to resource. Welcome my guest, Ed Rosenthal, the guru of ganja. Let me ask you, right now I hear your lighter clicking. Are you smoking indoor, or are you smoking sun-grown? What am I smoking? I'm smoking concentrate. <laughs> Way to get out of the answer there. So you're truly like the, the, the king, right? You just have you just clap your hands and somebody brings you a bowl and you're all set, right? Mm, I wish that were the case. <laughs> the Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com. We're back to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now... Back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. We're back on Hemp Present with Canvas Radio with co-founder of Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, Jack Cole. Jack, the Black Lives Matter campaign has been putting a spotlight on the recent rash of young black men who've been killed by police officers. And the book, The New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander, highlights how prohibition is enforced as a policy of discrimination and repression. How much of a role do you believe that the drug war has played in the sense of animosity and disconnect between disconnect that exists between people and the police and communities of color? I think it's maintained a, a tremendous role, and it's changed things a lot, as I was saying before about attitudes. To me, the war on drugs began, and it continues today, for three reasons. Money, power, and racism. Those are the three things that started it. Those are the three things that drive it. And uh, until we try to lessen some of that, the money that's going into paying off both sides, you know, both the 
people selling drugs and the people chasing them down, hunting them down, make a lot of money off the fact of prohibition. As long as that money keeps rolling in, it's hard to change it. The power that's gained by people, politicians and stuff saying, look, vote for me and in six years I will cut drug problem in the United States by half. That's an easy way to get votes. And what we've got to do is educate people that that's just impossible to do. You can't have a war on drugs and reduce the number of people using drugs. It doesn't work that way. Everything about the war on drugs is worse because we started this policy in the first place. Let me get back to racism. For those of your listeners who may not think that race is so racism is, is so prevalent in the war on drugs, let me quote a couple of facts to you. If you want to know who uses and who sells drugs in this country, it's very easy to find out. You go to the Federal Household Survey. It's done every year. And what it says is that 72% of the people doing that look just like me, a bunch of white guys. Only 13.5% of those folks are black. But now, who gets arrested? 37% of all the people we arrest in this country for drug violations are black folks. And who goes to prison? 60% of all the people in our state prisons for drug violations are black folks. And Vivian, in our federal prison system, it's 81%. 81% of the people arrested for drug violations by the feds are black. Those stats don't line up with who's using drugs statistically. Oh, absolutely not, because all the studies show that, if anything, blacks are just slightly less likely to use illicit drugs than whites are. Pretty amazing. You know what, Fred, sounds, the reasons that we are going to this domestic drug war sounds eerily similar to the reasons we go to wars overseas. Money, power. And racism. I mean, look, look what's happening with immigration here. It's, it's all, all similar. Very similar. All the lies that are being told about the immigrants coming in, it's all based on uh, this fear of drugs. They've linked the drugs now to terrorism. You know, when they talk about drugs on an international basis, they talk about narco-terrorism, brand new word that they invented. Another way to uh, to get an emotional knee-jerk, an emotional re-jerk response out of folks. Jack, Law Enforcement Against Prohibition is modeled after Vietnam Veterans Against the War, an organization that grew out of a placard slogan for the 1960s anti-war demonstration, and a particular demonstration in D.C. Is the drug war America's domestic Vietnam, in a way? Oh, I think absolutely. You're right on track there. It certainly is. You know, LEAP has, as you said before, I don't know what the stats are now, but... I think over 200 speakers living in in many countries all over the globe, there must be a lot of law enforcement officers who silently agree with your positions but don't feel they can come out of the closet and support you. Is that true? It's absolutely true. Only about 10% of our active members are, I'm sorry, only about 10% of our law enforcers are out of the closet. 90% of the people that join us in law enforcement don't want their names put out at all. What do like Only about 10% of our speakers are actually on the job today. Sure. What do law enforcement agencies think of LEAP? Have you received any pushback? Or do they, they call you a heretic? Very few of them do. 
And anybody that starts to be disrespectful at all, we can change that very easily. And I suggest to all our speakers that if somebody tries to say anything disrespectful, the first thing you say to that person is, look, we are on the same side. You guys that are on the job don't want to see one more drug abuser in the world, and neither do we. We haven't changed our mind about that. What we've changed our mind about is what will reduce drug abuse, and it's not the war on drugs, and the fact that drug abuse is not just the fact of somebody picking up an illicit drug and using that. That's no more drug abuse than the fact that someone uses alcohol or tobacco. Drug abuse is when you use it to the point that the person who is using it feels they got a problem with it. And at that point, we should treat all illicit drug abuse exactly the same as we treat alcohol abuse today. You know, if you've got an alcohol problem, if you become an alcoholic or something, we do everything we can do to try to help you. As a matter of fact, your employer will, in almost all cases, pay for you to go to some sort of rehab for alcohol. But for the other illicit drugs, what do we do? We arrest you, throw you in prison, do everything we can do to destroy your life. And when you come out, can't find a job, you know, then, you, then you've really got a re reason to be a drug abuser. I am talking to Jack Cole on Hemp Present on Cannabis Radio. We're going to take another quick break, hear a word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back for the last few questions and slamming home. So stay with us. Time to roll out for the people that let us Hemp Present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. Your connection to quality cannabis insurance services is spelled K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R. -E -E That's Karcher Insurance. We have worked with ventures like cannabis for over 60 years. We're proud to represent over 50 companies with tailor-made cannabis business plans for owners just like you to insure your product, your plants, and your pursuits. K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R -E -E spells out their full-service insurance services, ranging from commercial to bonds, to personal, from life to health, and more. Contact the team at CarcherInsurance.com and let our experience work for you. That's K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R Insurance.com. Contact Karen and the team at Karcher Insurance at 1-844-421-3560. That's 844-421-3560. InternetMarketingNinjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled Internet Marketing Ninjas. Disavow documents, reconsideration requests, Panda and Penguin penalties. Let our superior SEO ninjas confront all of your link-related issues. The Internet Marketing Ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise, content creation, authorship, link building, PPC, and more. Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at InternetMarketingNinjas.com. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently to improve our well-being. Take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living 
while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. Learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. It could be you could be 80 years old or eight years old. You can still learn something that's going to make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better. The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com. We're back to Hemp Present, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. And we are back on Hemp Present on Cannabis Radio with Jack Cole, co-founder of Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. Jack, got just another couple questions for you, and we'll have to slam it home. I work closely with law enforcement in the planning and production of the Seattle Hemp Fest every year. And at Hemp Fest, we have forged relationships that we believe are unparalleled in the reform movement with city officials and the law enforcement that we work with, I personally have a tremendous general respect for first responders, including police officers who put their lives on the line every time they walk outside wearing a uniform to do their job. But in my culture and beyond, I've witnessed a shocking degree of contempt and even some abject hatred of all law enforcement by some folks and some folks that have surprised me. How did we get into this place and how can we find a way out? I think the main reason we got into this place is Law enforcers have been forced by the laws, by the politicians, to implement the war on drugs. And when we implement the war on drugs, a lot of people don't like us much. And when we're told to go to war on drugs so that we're not just implementing the laws, but we get very creative about how we're going to implement them, and it became a numbers game where our police officers actually got promoted by the number of arrests they make and not just promoted police departments get money depending on how many drug arrests they make the year before you know the federal government funds local police by giving them federal grants and those grants are based on one thing how many drug arrests they made the year before nobody gives any police extra money for arresting a murderer or a rapist or a robber. So where do you think we're going to concentrate our our work? We concentrate it on drug arrests. And when you're making drug arrests, the easiest arrests to make are simple possession of marijuana. That's why in New York City, for the, the last about 12 years in New York City, even though New York State has passed decriminalization of an ounce of marijuana, in New York City, 50,000 arrests for marijuana possession for tiny amounts, so one joint of marijuana over about the last 12 years. Well, in the last year, it's dropped down a little since we got a new, new mayor here. But imagine that, 50,000 arrests a year of young people possessing tiny little amounts of marijuana. And the way the police go about this is just horrible. A cop is going down the street. They see somebody that they think might have some drugs on them. They go over and say, hey, you look suspicious to me, kid. I'm going to have to pat you down and see if you've got any weapons. Of course, they're not looking for weapons. What they're looking for is some pot. And they say to the young person, look, if you make me uh, search you, everything's going to be pretty hard on you if I find anything but if you got any just weapons or contraband or drugs on you, it's better to just let me know. The young person thinks, well, an ounce of marijuana is not a criminal act in this state. 
So they reach in their pocket and they pull out one joint and they say to the officer, all I got, officer, is this single joint here. And the cop says, you're under arrest, public display. That is an unbelievable thing that we're doing just to make these numbers. Pretty amazing. Jax, thank you so much for being on the show. Jack Cole, co-founder of Law Enforcement Answer Pro Mission. How can people find out more about LEAP? Well, you can go to our website. It's very easy to find. Just uh, Google Cops Say Legalized Drugs. Right on, Jack. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for your uh, continued service to our nation, our communities, uh, with your, your work with Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. Remember that we are simply a speakers bureau. We will go anywhere and speak to any organization that will invite us. All right. Thanks so much. Now I want to get to a weekly feature of Him Present on Cannabis Rito. That's the quote of the week, and here it goes. Quote, when a young non-white male is stopped and searched at a the whim of a police officer, his idea of personal space, privacy, and self-esteem are shattered, to say nothing of his Fourth and Fourteenth Amendment protections. The damage goes deep quickly and stays. Stop and frisk as well as a tactic is also an indictment, or excuse me, is also an incitement. Those are the wise words of musician and media personality Henry Rollins of the seminal punk band Black Flag. Before I conclude this installment of Him Present on Cannabis Radio, I want you to grab a pen and paper so you can email me at hempresent at gmail.com with suggestions, comments, and questions. Now get ready because I'm going to give that email again in a few seconds. I want to thank my smoking technicians in the control room, Brasco and Hannah, my sterling sponsors, and my pragmatic producers. Join me next week for another Reefer Radio Rendezvous with some hempy hero on a journey for justice. And for any of you business-minded red-eyed Jedis out there smelling what we're selling, you can become a proud sponsor of the working-class Hempasapiens Best Defender, Hempresent, here on CannabisRadio.com, your source for the force of freedom. Because when it comes to prohibition, you have the right not to remain silent. Activism requires a voice, so find yours and speak up for justice because resistance is fertile. Until then, my friends, stand tall. Stay strong and take it easy. And don't forget to email me at hempresent at gmail.com. Turn up the music maestro. I'm out. Marijuana. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.